Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to share an anonymous near death experience from nderf.org, N D E R F.org, the Near Death Experience Research Foundation website. And here we go. I was having a surgery, a breast biopsy due to lumps. I was 18 years old and was pregnant with my first child. I was under local anesthesia, so I was totally conscious and aware of everything that was going on around me. This was to be a simple outpatient surgery, meaning I was to go home after the surgery. I could feel the doctor cutting me and pulling the lumps out of me as if the local anesthesia wasn't quite working the way it should have. The doctor was aware of the discomfort that I was feeling because he asked me if I could feel him working on me, and I told him yes. I guess he didn't believe that I could feel it because he did nothing about it. The next thing I know, my head started spinning and I felt very, very hot sensation come over my entire body, including my toes. Then I couldn't feel my body at all. My life experiences immediately flashed before my eyes as if I was looking at a movie sped up on fast forward. It was at that moment that I felt my body separate from the one that was on the operating table and I began floating. All the while, I could hear the doctors and nurses talking. I could hear the doctor say, Come, you guys, we're losing her. We're losing her. And then everything became garbled, and I couldn't understand anything they were saying. I could just see the doctors and nurses frantically working on me. An immediate sense of fright came over me as I floated upwards towards a huge, long tunnel that resembled a party hat on its side. The opening that I came through was large, but at the end of the tunnel, the exit became smaller, and there was a bright, bright light, almost blinding at the end. A girl emerged from the light at the end of the tunnel. She was waiting for me and was wearing a dress or a robe. Her robe was bright as the light at the end of the tunnel. She had no color to her skin. She looked like a white she looked like a light herself, but she had face and a face and hands. Her robe was covering her feet and legs, so I don't even recall her having any. She knew that I was afraid, so she reached her hand out to me to console me. She let me know that I would be okay, and an immediate sense of calm came over me. This was a calm that I've never experienced before. It was very peaceful. I kept turning around to look down into the operating room, but she told me not to worry about what was happening behind me. She said to go forward because there were much better things in store for me where she was taking me. I agreed and kept, close, uh, kept moving closer to the end of the tunnel. I had no sense of sound at all. There were no words uttered. I could read her thoughts and she could read mine, so we didn't need voices to communicate with each other. I was telling her my name and she told me that I didn't need a name where I was going, which kind of puzzled me, but I trusted her because she was so nice. As we came closer and closer to the end of the tunnel, I could feel the heat from the light. We looked at each other and smiled. Then two guys, dressed in the same thing as her, approached us and welcomed and greeted me. Everyone made me feel so at home, and I wanted so much to go with them. 
I was looking forward to it, and I didn't care about my life behind me because I knew that everyone would be all right with my decision to stay with these nice beings. One of the guys that came to me all of a sudden looked at me and told me that I needed to go back because it wasn't time for me to go with them. There was a feeling of sadness that came over me because I didn't want to go back. Then a feeling of confusion and indecision came over me. I was faced with the decision to go back or to stay with them. I knew deep in my heart that I didn't want to go back because I didn't feel the need to. I didn't need anyone or anything back there, but he assured me that they would all be there to greet me when it was my time to come back. He made it totally clear to me that it was okay for me to go with them, but that he didn't think that it would be a good, uh, let's see, that it would be a good decision for me to. He also made it very, very clear to me that once I floated out of the tunnel, I couldn't go back. I would be with them forever, which was perfectly okay with me. The girl that came to greet me didn't want me to go, but he, but he gave her a look as if to say, pull yourself together, make this easier on her, which was me, to decide. I couldn't really hear his thoughts, but I could see the expression on his face. Everyone was smiling again, and my body floated backwards until I couldn't see them anymore. I was no longer in the tunnel, and it felt as though a suction pulled me back down into my body on the operating table. I awakened with the doctor calling my name. I had to tell someone this story because I told my mother later on uh, on that day what I experienced, and she completely dismissed it and told me that it was all a figment of my imagination and I must forget about it, uh, all of it, and not tell anyone. She told me that I was just imagining things and none of it was true. But that was a difficult thing for me to suppress because I knew that what I experienced was real as she and I were talking that very moment. I can still see it as if it just happened yesterday. That's the end of the experience. Very interesting. Very simple or very short in some ways, but very interesting. Uh, she talks about how the language of the doctors after a few moments became garbled so that she couldn't understand it anymore, which is interesting. I've heard some people express that they'd see words, say, on a sign or something in a hospital or whatever, and they couldn't read them. It was like a foreign language to them, which is strange and yet interesting at the same time. Clearly, spirits speak... Uh, telepathically, empathically, and uh, and so there's no need for language, but why would one forget a language after um, leaving the body, unless language is strictly brain-based, which is a strange idea, and I don't think it's true, but who knows. It's also interesting to me that she is trying to tell this uh, light being her name, and this light being, this woman, says, basically, that's great, but uh, we don't actually use names here where we're going. You won't need it, which is interesting also to me, because 
you know, something about this telepathic way of communicating, there's also an energy aspect to it that, you know, when you think about an individual to convey a message about someone, um, it just happens, it just works. And so that's interesting to me. There's not a need for names. And so that makes me think, too. I mean, you, you hear the question asked, well, how do we know the name of a person before they were born? Or, or did they have a different name or some kind of heavenly name? Was there something else that they were known by? And then they'll go back and be known by that name again. But this makes me think that maybe not. Maybe names are unique to earth, and yet um, we carry them back with us because often people will say, I'm your great-grandpa Johnson or whatever. Uh, and so they remember their names, and, it's, and it matters in terms of um, identifying for the newly arrived. But once somebody becomes fully acquainted with them or reacquainted with them, remember them, um, they probably don't need to use it much because you just put out this energy of that person, the, the memory, the thought of that person, and you get, rather than just, uh, you know, a set of words that are so, uh, assigned to that individual, you get their whole person. You get their, the kind of person they are, your experiences with them, your feelings about them, everything. It all comes in a package. And then there's this little exchange between the two different light beings, the woman and the man, where he's saying, you've got to go back, you've got to go back. And, and she's saying, oh, don't worry, you know, we'll be here and, and it'll be wonderful when you return. And he's giving her a look that says to the experiencer, or at least giving a look to the girl who is saying those things, a look that to the experiencer she reads as, don't make this harder on her, just, you know, let it be kind of thing. And and that's interesting to me because she says that um, I couldn't really hear his thoughts, but I could see the expression on his face. That makes me think, and I've heard things to suggest this, but this adds, you know, data point to that idea that it is possible to communicate to an individual without conveying it to anyone else around or at least possible to withhold it from someone. Now, I don't know if that's commonly done or if it's it takes a particular skill. I'm guessing it's a skill that is developed fairly quickly, but she obviously hadn't been there very long, and so she didn't know about it. You know, for, for her, the idea of understanding a uh, body language without thoughts, she'd be very familiar and and uh, remember very well from her Earth experience. But um, it's interesting that that seems to be a possibility on, this, on the other side. So, very interesting. So just um, as a matter of, you know, curiosity, she did go on to have a girl. She named it Kira, if I'm pronouncing that right. Maybe Kiara. Yeah, Kiara. It was the name of her girl that she had. It's interesting that she had this sensation that she didn't need to go back. It just, I mean, she should go back, that there was still more to do, more to learn, more to, you know, experience, but that it wasn't absolutely necessary. And then, you know, remember she was pregnant at this time, so she had an unborn daughter. 
to take care of. And it's interesting that this seems, seems to keep coming up. And it kind of makes sense when you look at all that we see. I mean, think of it this way. If, if you're with your child and, and their friend comes in and says, hey, can they come, can the, the child come play with me for 10 minutes? in in the uh you know toy room or whatever you say yeah sure it's not a problem it's not an issue and uh leaving having your child leave for 10 minutes or half hour or whatever it is is fine it's not a big deal and there seems to be something of that kind of a feeling or attitude about leaving the spirit world to come to earth it's just interesting to me that the spirits sometimes don't seem to it's not that they don't recognize, they don't acknowledge that while you're here, it feels like eternity. You know, I mean, it feels like I've always existed on this planet. And, and true, I don't remember anything beyond 39 years, or even less than that, probably 37, 36 maybe. But that doesn't mean it doesn't feel like I've just always been here. But there seems to be this sense of spirits that leaving is and coming back is not a big deal in terms of you know how long it's going to be and so forth but it does seem to be very vitally important in terms of of the lessons and tests and things that we need to experience so very interesting if you would like to contact the podcast either to share your experience which i'd love you can do so by contacting uh or uh, emailing Podcast at gmail.com. You can also make a comment on neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. You can call 970-NDE-CAST, or you can use any of those methods to contact me to tell me you've had an experience and would like to be interviewed about your experience. I would be happy to do that. And with that, thank you, all of you, so much for listening. Thank you.